grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's one of the strongest substances on earth, but one that you might not expect. Spiderwebs. Spiderwebs don't seem all that strong when you can take a broom and just bat them away. But pound for pound, the silk of spiderwebs is as strong as steel cables. It's no wonder that bugs, when they fly in there, can't quite get out of there. It's like being caught by a bunch of steel cables. But further research in the last few years by scientists has determined that the strength of these spiderwebs is what had before thought to be a weakness. See, when some kind of bug flies into that spiderweb, it has a, a sort of flexibility to it. It has a stretchiness to it. And it was always thought that that was part of its weakness, that that led to the, the uh, webs being broken, and that's what allowed bugs to get out, this sort of thing. But in fact, scientists have determined, no, that's where the strength lies, in what looks like a weakness. That is uh, the, the source of that web's greatest strength. Now, today, we're continuing through the letter of 2 Timothy, and Paul's word to Timothy today is, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But what we're going to see is that what looks like God's greatest weakness is, in, in fact, the source of our greatest strength. So I want to invite you to open up your worship folders or pull out the Bibles in your pew and go to our epistle lesson from 2 Timothy as we're going to be tracking through there this morning. It's from 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 13. Paul says again in verse 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, which raises a question, for me at least. What are the other things that Timothy might be finding strength in? Paul says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What else might Timothy be tempted to, to where might he be tempted to derive his strength from? Now, if you know a little bit about Bible history and the background of this, Timothy was a young pastor. He was probably in his 20s when Paul had enlisted him and trained him to be a minister for, to God's church. He was a young guy. And he was a zealous guy. And so I think for Timothy, and maybe I'm just reading this a little bit through my own experience, but I think that this is justified from history and also from the scriptures, that Timothy is a young, zealous pastor. He's excited to bring the gospel to others. He's excited to announce the good news to people who are in need. And so Timothy, in the midst of all of that zeal, in the midst of his youthful excitement, might be tempted to find some of his strength in himself in his own energy, in his own skills, to which Paul says, no, Timothy, be strengthened by grace. So Paul then offers a few analogies, and it's one of these sections of Scripture that, you're like, where exactly is Paul going with this? And maybe you had the same thought when we heard it a moment ago. Again, starting with um, verse 4, he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete isn't crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And then I love this, verse 7. Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I could end every sermon with that. You know, at the end, you're kind of scratching your head. What is he talking about? Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Oh, thanks. Oh, good. 
But the upshot of each of these analogies, strange as they might sound, is this. Paul is admonishing Timothy, keep your eye on the ball. Let me explain an analogy with an analogy. Right? Keep your eye on the prize. Don't lose focus from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And more to the point, go to with that farmer analogy. He says the hardworking farmer ought to have the first share of the crops. What Paul's saying to Timothy is, Timothy, don't forget as you're announcing God's grace in Christ that you are the first one who needs that grace. See, you can't give what you yourself haven't received. You with me here? You can't give what you yourself haven't received. I see this so often among Christians. I see this so often among pastors. I feel it sometimes within myself as we can become like travel agents trying to sell a place that we have never been to. See, You can't give to others what you haven't received. Our, our teaching, our sharing of God's grace will never have credibility if we ourselves are not living and dwelling in God's grace. You with me now? And so Paul is admonishing Timothy, look, Timothy, be strengthened not by your own efforts, not by, by your own skills and gifts, good things, mind you, but be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I think we all come to these moments, call them Timothy moments, where we realize that we don't have the strength in ourselves that we thought. I'll tell you about one of my Timothy moments from very early in my ministry. In fact, I was on Vicarage, which some of you, you're, you're familiar with how our, our church body works. Vicarage is your year of, of pastoral internship. And it happens after your second year at the seminary, your, your sophomore year, if you will. And uh, well, I think I might have mentioned this before. Sophomore literally means wise fool. Okay? <laughs> because your second year student, whether it be seminary, college, what have you, always thinks he has everything figured out already, right? And that was probably me going into my vicarage. I thought, I know my scriptures. I know this stuff, see? I know these teachings backwards and forwards. I'm ready to go out there and to bring the gospel to people, to minister to God's flock. I am ready. I was a wise fool, you might say. And so God gave me a Timothy moment. I'm on my vicarage, and I get a call from, from one of the folks from our church and she says, Vicar, I've got a friend. I need you to come over right away. It's one of those things, one of those calls that nobody ever wants to get. She says, my friend, her, her son, her adult son, took his own life. And she said, she doesn't have a pastor here. She just needs somebody to be able to speak a word of, of hope, of grace into her life. Will you come over? Here I am, vicar, sophomore, wise fool that I am, thinking, okay, I'm going to go over there, and what could I possibly say to this woman to bring a, a word of comfort, a word of grace in that moment? I remember driving over to the house and pulling up and feeling this sick pit in my stomach as we walk up to the door, thinking to myself, I have no idea what to say. In that Timothy moment, I realized that sometimes, sometimes, our greatest strengths can also be our greatest liabilities. Our greatest strengths 
can also become our greatest liabilities. And why is that? Because the, the rich man thinks that no matter what, I can always fall back on my wealth until it's not there. The pretty girl knows that she always has an easy in, that people are going to listen to what she has to say, that she's got a leg up on the rest of the world until those wrinkles start to show up. The wise sage can always fall back on his wisdom and his knowledge and how he just knows a little bit better than everyone else until his memory starts to fade. Look, for each and every one of us, our greatest strengths can also become our greatest liabilities. Because if you lean on them, if you uh, establish that as your foundation, you're only just one moment away from it all being taken away. And what are you going to lean on then? You've probably had those Timothy moments like I did as well. When all of my learning and my understanding that I had been trusting in, as I discovered, was taken right out from under me. And then, what do you do? Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Paul says to Timothy. And he says it to you and me too. But I want you to understand that when Paul says that, be strengthened by grace, it's not a command in the sense of something like, hey, go clean your room, okay? He's not scolding Timothy. In fact, there's a technical term for what Paul utters here. Just bear with me as I nerd out for a minute, right? This is a performative imperative. A performative imperative. What that means is, in the speaking, it is done. It's not like clean your room, but it's more like when Jesus says, for example, to a leper, and he says to him, be cleansed. The message to that leper isn't, go clean yourself. The message is that in that speaking of Jesus, in that command, it is done. You with me? When Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's an encouragement to him. You may be strengthened. Your strength, Timothy, is not in yourself. It's not in your learning. It's not in your youth. It's not in all of those things that you might be tempted to look to. Your strength is in Christ and in his grace, whether or not you happen to recognize it. Let me ask you this. When we think about God's grace, when we think about God's identity and his, uh, these attributes about him, is there anything that God cannot do? Is there anything that God cannot do? Pastor, this sounds like a trick question. It is a trick question. It's kind of like that old bit, you know, Fada, can God create a rock so big that even he can't lift it? No, that's not where I'm, I'm going with this exactly. Is there anything that God cannot do? Paul says yes. In fact, there is one thing, and it's right there in our passage today, in verse 13. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. What does this mean? It means that when God makes a promise to you and to me, you can stake your life on it a thousand times over. 
God cannot deny himself. If he has bound himself to you and to me, as he has through the blood of Christ Jesus, sealed his bond with you and me through the blood of the Savior, he cannot and will not deny himself. That is the source and the strength of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that looks, that sounds like a weakness. Say, wait, there's something that God cannot do? But just like that spider web, where its greatest strength is in the thing that appears to be a weakness, so it is for God and his grace. The greatest strength of his grace is in what appears to be a weakness, that there is something he cannot do. He cannot deny himself. And so Paul goes on to say, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Then he says this, if we are faithless, what do you expect him to say? then he will cast us off. Then he'll forget about us. But he says, no, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. See, Christ Jesus himself is the faithful one who died so that you might live, who endured so that you might reign, who was denied so that you would not be denied when you come to the gates of heaven. And when we, in the midst of our faithlessness, turn away from God, forget about him, live our lives as if he didn't exist, still he is faithful to you and to me. Paul says this is a trustworthy saying, but in fact, the literal translation of that, Paul says this is a pistos logos in Greek which literally translated would be, this is a faithful word. Christ Jesus is the faithful word that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even when you fall away from him and fail to, to put your trust in him as you ought, still he is faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. And that is good news for you and me. It's good news for all of us who has the, have those Timothy moments and suddenly realize we've been putting our trust when we have been strengthening ourselves from things that fail and that cannot give eternal strength. Go back to that young, wise, and foolish vicar pulling up to that house. So I'm walking up the steps. I'm kind of holding my little Bible, and I'm just sort of flipping through it, thinking, where can I go to to find, to find some comfort? talking to the woman and, and she's saying, you know, uh, he was baptized. At one time he was a confessing Christian, but he just seemed to be going downhill and downhill and he was struggling with depression and it's like this black cloud was just over him. Maybe you know people like that. Maybe you've been that person. And I'm just listening to her and thinking, is there any word of comfort that I can give to her in, this midst of, in the midst of this uncertainty and this doubt and this question? And I did the thing that you really should never do. I took my Bible and I was like, Lord, please help. And I'm just kind of flipping through it and I just stop. We call this Bible roulette. <laughs> and I happened to fall on this passage from 2 Timothy. And I read to this woman, this mourning mother, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I want to say a specific word here for those of you who have dealt with suicides among family, among friends. And maybe you've had this question and this wondering. 
And there was this teaching in the, in the Middle Ages in particular, it came from Thomas Aquinas and others, this belief that this was the unforgivable sin. That if someone takes their own life, well, they don't have any time to repent of it, and so they are guaranteed going to hell. Friends, I want to tell you this morning that that is a lie from the pit of hell. That that need not be the case. Because you have a God whose grace is so strong that he cannot deny himself. We don't know why in the midst of this world, as we go through this valley and this veil of tears, why these sorts of things happen. Why this dark cloud continues to, to hang over our heads, over the heads of those we love. But we do know this, that there is a God whose grace is stronger, who is faithful even when we are faithless. And I said this to this woman, look, I don't know why your son took his own life. And I cannot say with 100% certainty that he is with the Lord. It's true. But I can say this. That he is faithful even when we are faithless. And there are those whom he has claimed for himself through the waters of holy baptism, through the blood of his son. That bond is stronger than anything else in all creation. And as I had this Timothy moment, I realized it's even strong enough for wise fools who have to play Bible roulette to have a good word to say to someone in need. His grace is stronger, even when it looks weak. You and I, we don't have the strength in ourselves, but he does, but he does. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.